Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Greetings and welcome to the Believe Knicks podcast. Full episode today. Matthew Miranda joined by Stacey Patton. A little shorter episode today, probably about 30, 35 minutes, but there are a couple of significant things going on in the world, one of which is Stacey Patton is once again stateside after an incredible global adventure, um, which ended with him just ruthlessly shit-talking New York City pizza. Um, <laughs> No, but glad, Stacey, glad to have you back. And it sounds like you have discovered, you were just telling me before, um, that there is a superior pizza on this earth to New York City pizza, and you were lucky enough to encounter it. Yeah, the pizza all over Italy is really good. If you have the chance to go to Napoli, Naples, whatever you call it. Uh, well, you should call it Napoli. That's what the locals call it. <laughs> um, but uh, it was, uh, it was um, I don't know if I'm allowed to say orgasmic, but pretty close to that um i my my girlfriend was with me so maybe she'll get mad if i say orgasmic but it was pretty it was pretty fucking awesome and unlike pizza i've had here uh, and the food there in, in general is amazing um and so is seeing everything it's just a beautiful place all these hill towns if you had the chance to go to italy i'd highly recommend it um i put it off for many years because every time i went to europe i was like well you know i, I want to spend a lot of time in italy so i i, I can spend a week somewhere else and enjoy all of it but i won't get as much in italy so but after the pandemic i was like well you couldn't go to italy during the pandemic yeah and um so um you know it's always tough for us with time and and money and all that and um but if you get the chance to travel somewhere you really want to um my lesson from that is like don't uh that's got to be that that is a priority you know we all have lots of priorities but um but i would i would highly recommend Here's the test question. Would you rather go back to Napoli with your girlfriend and no pizza or go back to Napoli with no girlfriend and pizza? <laughs> Wait, let me cover. Let me make sure she's... <laughs> no. Splink twice. There's no video. I love video. my girlfriend. So um, as sad as that would be, uh, there's also... Napoli is also the home of lasagna. I had amazing oh. lasagna in... Uh, oh, God, I love lasagna. I, the lasagna I had was in Pisa, the leading... Which, by the way... The Leaning Tower of Pisa, I thought would be a massive tourist trap. That's just was my impression going there. It is not. It's no. It is worth the visit. It's a beautiful building and complex. Nice. Um, everything like I, I thought like a lot of these places are like these are tourist things you have to see. The Colosseum is like I've been to the Taj Mahal. I'm in the Colosseum, and I feel like I'm turning my back on my own people. I enjoyed the Colosseum more than the Taj Mahal. Uh, really, it was incredible. Um, I, I had an awesome trip, so yeah. Nice. Well, we're gonna we'll close with some more Italians later. But before we get to Dante DiVincenzo, who is a that I think I made that happen by my trip. You know, we we had Danilo Gallinari, uh, I believe Pablo Prigioni's ancestry is Italian, even though he's Argentinian. Yes, very true. And very true. so we've had good luck with Italians in the past, and I just went there, and and now we got a we got a new one who we'll talk about in this episode. So. 
Very grateful to Stacey for delivering Dante. Um, <laughs> before we greet the Inferno, um, the question will be uh, <laughs> trademark <laughs> July 2nd, 8.15, I called it. Um, Obi Toppin is no longer a New York Nick. One could argue he was many times not really as much of a New York Nick as, as a lot of people would have liked. Um, I want to try for a minute to carefully avoid feeling the gravity of the conversations I'm seeing other people have about Obi Toppin, and I just want to talk about what I feel and think and what you feel and think. So did you have any thought that Thibodeau and Toppin and Randall could all be back next season, coming into no. this offseason? No, I did not. And it's sad to say, and I don't think it's a reflection on any one of them as a player or coach. Well, it is if I had to, if I had an animosity there towards it, I, well, first of all, there have been, there's been every indication that Randall and Obi have a good relationship. Mm -hmm. I don't think that was ever a thing. And I think Randall has been, uh, for someone especially who's been criticized as maybe not, you know, you've seen some of the on-court stuff he's gotten to his teammates. I think that from what, everything Obi said, like they had a good relationship and he was a mentor to Obi. So I don't think that's the thing. I don't think, I, I just think Tibbs's vision for how we want this team to run wasn't in line with that. Uh, I want to start this off by just saying that I'm I'm very thankful for the the three years that Obi gave us. Um, you know, I said this before uh, the today I'm, I tweeted it. If we got IQ at eight and Obi at twenty five, you probably got IQ. If you did a redraft, IQ would be somewhere in the six to ten range of that redraft mm -hmm. in a really good draft. That draft had Anthony Edwards, Lamelo Ball, Halliburton, Maxi. Mm -hmm. Um, he's up there with some of those guys. Mm -hmm. Bain, you know, uh, I, Bain is probably higher than some, most of the guys I mentioned. Um, yeah. Arguably probably the second best player in that draft. Um, if we got IQ at eight, that probably would have been judged as a, as a good value pick, given what he's done. And we got Obi at 25. You told me that we got a guy at 25 that played 20 minutes, 15, 20 minutes a game, gave us energy and was a solid positive contributor on two playoff teams, one that won a, a series. And yes, this year, look at some of those games. You know, there was a game in the Cleveland series where Randall didn't even close. And, you know, Randall was hurt and everything, but Obi, Obi earned real minutes in those series. It's not, you cannot, even if he didn't get starters minutes or whatever, he, he contributed to these teams. But what I always take, I'll always remember about Obi Toppin is, um, you know, I've been to many Knicks games. Um, I've been to now three playoff games for the Knicks. The loudest I've ever heard Madison Square Garden was game two of the 2021 playoffs against Atlanta, a series they lost. But you know, of the of the few moments we had good, the game they won, 79-75, the, uh, the Hawks have the ball. The, the crowd is ready to explode. They're, they're loud on defense. They're on their feet. It's the third quarter. That's not a given in the third quarter. And Obi gets switched on to Kevin Herter, who killed the Knicks that series. And he stays with him, blocks his shot, immediately does his, you know, Forrest Gump run down the floor. And Alec Burks finds him from half court um, for alley-oop. And the, the crowd just, I mean, Madison Square Garden is loud. So I don't want to understate this. Oh, this yeah. is the loudest I've heard Madison Square Garden. The floor was shaking. Everybody was going nuts. Mm -hmm. uh, I couldn't hear my own. I was screaming at the top of my lungs and I couldn't hear it. Um because of just how insane it got. And that's what Obi brought. He was, and it's not just an energy thing. This I'm not just saying he's, you know, 
Reggie Evans or something. Like, this was a guy who was a really smart player. <coughs> he's a really smart player. I think he's in a, he's going to be in an amazing situation. Uh, I, I mean, there's always been so much Obi and Halliburton talk. Should we have taken Hyrie's Halliburton? Well, seeing them together is going to be fun for not for us as much, but um, playing with him with other good passers and shooters is going to be awesome. Um, Miles Turner can space the floor a little bit so they can use more OB in pick and roll. Uh, but I thought he was a good piece. Um, and, you know, after they drafted him at eight, I'm sure when they drafted him at eight, they thought that it was because Julius Randle had not lived up to expectations. And he ended up doing that, um, not in a linear route, but he ended up becoming a guy that was just like Obi Toppin may never be as good as Julius Randle. He's 25 now. I would bet that he's not going to be ever as good as Julius Randle, and that's fine. But um, but he's a really good player, and um, you know, this, as the circumstances dictated, this was all they could get. You know, you could talk about how he was used. Um, do I wish that we had tried him with Randle at the four or five more? Sure. I mean, we tried Sims and Hartenstein with Obi out at the four or five. Now, granted, they didn't have um, they didn't have Hart at the time. Maybe for that, Josh Hart that would have been different. RJ Barrett was already playing a lot of minutes at the three. So to ask him to also play the four would have been a lot. So I get that they're mitigating circumstances, but the fact that we didn't really try that, you know, it does, it, it, those things are, and the fact that we used Obi mostly as a floor spacer instead of, it's not just the fact that he's a role guy. He can dunk. It's also that when he gets the ball in his hands in space, he's got some of those Draymond green abilities to make quick decisions, to pass the ball. Right. We didn't get to exploit that as much as we would have liked. Um, and I think they will in, in um, Indiana. Um, but you know, it was just, um, it was a situation that it was going to head for this for a while. And I'm just thankful for the great moments Obi gave us. And, um, and you know, sometimes the thing is like people are using every move. I feel like as a referendum on Leon Rose, Yes. Everybody takes L's, you know. The 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 this front Thank office you. has taken. Thank L's. you for fucking saying this because I've been dying watching this. Like, suddenly on Rose doesn't know what he's doing. He's asleep at the wheel. Based on what? Yeah, it's what? like he he got sorry. He got us a super. Can I say this? We got us. We have a superstar point guard right now. Um, and in light, it's, we we knew this already before this offseason, but just I'm not gonna cut your point. In light of the money that people are getting right now. On, in, toward the new CBA, like Dylan Brooks is getting twenty million a year, and Jalen Brunson's making like twenty five million a year, basically. Like Desmond Bain, that's, that's forty. That's one, that's only one thing. That's just Brunson. That's not all the draft moves that he's made. That's not what he's accumulated. That's not good people he's resigned or traded for. The Josh Hart deal, like, like I cannot. The believe... Rose deal, the Derek Rose deal was that got us the playoffs. Yes, exactly. Exactly. And even even earlier signings that no longer apply, Noel, Burks, Rose, like even even Fournier, who played one year here and then everybody's ready to get rid of, which is fine. Like objectively speaking, they signed Fournier. He's not going to work out. He did set the franchise record for three pointers in a season. Like Leon Rose is not Steve Mills. He's not Scott Perry. He's not Phil Jackson. Like. Most of what he's done has worked. And every time there's been a point where you're like, what's he do? Like, I plead guilty. The first couple draft nights that he was here, I did not get what he was doing. I just wanted, like, give me a name right away that I know. I was impatient and he knew what he was doing. To the point where now, I like this whole offseason, even when nothing's been happening, 
I've had no anxiety because I know this man knows what he's doing. Yeah, it's um, and and here's the thing, right? Like, I'm not gonna say it's. I also think people who say everything, like he's not King Midas. He, well, <laughs> that's an interesting analogy to lose use because <laughs> King Midas is not is a cautionary tale more than anything else. Right. But um, but he he has made mistakes. But every GM makes. Bob Myers built the greatest dynasty in recent memory. He took James Wiseman over Lamelo Ball. Anti. They only got made luck in the Draymond because David Lee got hurt. Yeah. And exactly right. If things happen one way or the other, you want to clown us for taking Obi over Tyrese Halliburton. He took James Wiseman. Obi's whatever you want to say about Obi Toppin. That's been more value to us than James Wiseman was to them. Mm-hmm. Um, and that Wiseman may go on to have a good career, but um, you know that the but the point is, every front office takes L's, right? So mm-hmm. they've taken up the the Cam Reddish thing, trading out of that draft. With by the way, they took four players. They took four players in that draft, right? That Cam Reddish is the other one. They traded out of the draft. Oh, they they burned a draft pick that they had, right? They took four players in that draft. One is their starting shooting guard, Quinn Grimes. Another, Deuce McBride, won them at least one playoff. I will say he played five minutes in what game four. I would say those five minutes, like what he did. If you watch those five minutes, what he did to Donovan Mitchell, mm. that impacted that game as much as any five minutes that you'll see. Uh, that you'll see. Um, I, I don't think that's an overstatement. And Deuce McBride has been, for a guy who's picked 34th, a contributor. Jericho Sims, for a guy who's picked 58th, has been a rotation player and functional. Like he's not mm-hmm. now because they have two really good centers. But he's he's they've gotten value out of that. And Rokas Yukobaitis is not coming over because he doesn't have playing time, but he is a very valuable asset because he's killing it in Europe. And he he looks like the kind of player that can play at least backup minutes, if not more, in the league. So they had four draft picks that draft, and they traded one out, and then that was a heavily protected pick. You know, maybe in in retrospect, could would they have been better off taking, you know, Jalen Johnson or someone? Um, or just taking Grimes then, or, or maybe you can get in like a Bones Highland or someone. Sure, but a lot of those, like Bones Highland was highly touted and guys were crying over him. He got traded for basically nothing to the Clippers and he has massive defensive limitations. Like at that point in the draft, it's tough to find guys and they found consistently guys. But you can say overall that 19th pick as an asset wasn't out. They traded for Cam Reddish, that didn't work out. And, um, you know, they, they had to package Cam Reddish for the first just to get Josh Hart. It didn't work out. Um, you know, the Evan Fournier signing, I I, I don't think he's a bad player. Um, but, you know, yeah. alignment with what the team's trying to do and how he can fit and, and surrounding him, it didn't work out. You take L's sometimes. But also all of their L's are bounded. These are not – this is not giving Amari Stoudemire an uninsured contract. And I'm not – I love Amari Stoudemire when he was here. Uh, but yeah. they gave him a $200 million contract or $100 million contract without insurance when he clearly had any issues, right? These are not the mistakes. The mistakes they make are isolated and very easily repairable. But the, the, the pluses they've made, right? Like Jalen Brunson, like Jalen Brunson being signed for 25, you can't understate how big a deal that is, right? Like mm-hmm. he is a, in my opinion, top 15 player. He outplayed the guy everyone wanted. He, he outplayed him. Like, let's not – we shouldn't cut around. Maybe Donald Mitchell is a better player. But that is a serious conversation right now because Brunson has outplayed him in two series in a row. He was – he dropped 31-38-41 against these, the, the NBA finals runner-up that has an elite defense with probably the best coach in the league. 
Not probably. He's the best coach in the league. He like they got him for twenty five. And by the way, you know who else makes twenty five million dollars? You want to cry about him? I, I cried about him. I <laughs> between you and me, you are the Randall supporter. I am the Randall pessimist. The fact that he makes twenty five or twenty six or twenty seven million dollars, and Dylan Brooks makes twenty, that's a big fucking deal, right? Like whatever else you want to say, he's not on a bad contract. Mm-hmm. Um, they've done those things. Um, RJ is not on a bad contract, really. If if Dylan Brooks is making twenty million dollars a year, RJ's contract is fine. Um, and you know, I, I and they've added guys like Emmanuel quickly, Quentin Grimes. They traded for Josh Hart, uh, who, who really elevated the team. Um, but sometimes they're going to take some L's. But the the but the whole the process. If you judge the process and how they find guys, right? They find guys who can impact the game in multiple ways. They find guys who are they can get on good contracts. Even Fournier's contract isn't terrible. Um, you know, it, it's a bounded downside and it's an unlimited upside. And if Cam Reddish worked out, it was again a bounded downside. It was a heavily protected first. If he did turn out to be the Cam Reddish that everyone was hoping he would be, that would have. And sometimes it doesn't pan out. But they make smart. They are poker players. You know, they are card counters at the table, and they've made good moves. And um, and sometimes they don't always work out. But even with Obi, they got two second round picks back. And they look at look at the eighth pick. You know, uh, Vivek Dudanya, front of the Strickland, like. He posted eighth pick doesn't have a great history. The last guy mm-hmm. they drafted eighth, and I loved Frank, they didn't get shit for him back. I loved Frank. <laughs> um, they didn't get anything for him back. The guy yeah. they drafted ninth last was used as a throw-in for Cam Reddish. So considering that, Obi got us two seconds. That's that's pretty good. And also a difference in I mean, it's such a long period that we got us two seconds and rotation. Like again, you cannot discount the success this team had without saying Obi was not a huge contributor, but he was a contributor. Like there there are, there are guys who get picked there who don't play, you know, there were long stretches last season when (laughs) topping off the bench, squaring up for threes was about as good, like a good a feeling you, I I had for a Nick shooting from deep as almost anyone. Like he was props to Obi for going from at first, like, why are you wait? I mean, it was always a waste to have him in the role he was in. But early on, the waste was he can do other things, and he's a thirty percent free throw shooter. But this season, the numbers he ended up at he ended up only thirty percent. You said free throw. The only thirty percent free throw shooter we've ever had is uh, is Mitchell Robinson. We have Chris Dudley is on line one, but uh, Obi Toppin worked himself up to he ended the year at about thirty five percent from three. But there was a long stretch where. It was really getting fun watching Obi square away and hit threes for a while. And um, as a as a thing that I'll always remember the most fondly about him, like Katz wrote a thing yesterday that that is very frustrating to read, where it, it sounded like teams beyond Indiana had been interested in Toppin for a while, and it's not like the Knicks were looking to trade him but not getting exactly what they wanted. Like apparently the Knicks were telling people like, no, we like him. Like we'll we'll listen. But like their their trade demands were relatively high because the Knicks were insisting that they really did like him. If you really did like him that much, you have to find some way. I'm not I'm not going to insert myself into what they should have done. But if you really did like him that much, you have to play him. Having said that, there's I think a, they just didn't accept, expect Randall to do this. Nobody did. No, of course not. Like like this is. Uh, I'll finish the one point and then come back to that. The last Obi went to Dayton. Dayton's about two hours north, directly up the road from 
University of Kentucky. The Knicks once used the fifth pick in the draft on a high-flying, slam-dunking, like, oh boy, here he comes, player. And Zach Obi, he won a slam-dunk contest as a Nick. And Kenny Walker is not remembered with nearly the love and fondness that Obi Toppin like will always be remembered with. I I always enjoyed about Toppin that at least on the public face and like we can debate whether or not that counts as professional or whether he should have to mask his feelings. But the fact that he there was never a public indication that he had a a, a problem with his minutes or his role when it was completely understandable to everybody that he would have a problem with his minutes and his role. And I think I think the things that we know we can do in Indiana will be um, will take root and really fly. Like I think you'll see more of his athleticism. I think you'll see him get minutes. I think you'll see him have like more of a of a of a open role. But it's just very it's just very nice to see a person who was like just easy to root for and was just always so likable. Like with everything else that we can talk about and debate and whatnot. Like. I just like that about Obi because I feel like with so many Knicks, whether you're talking short term or his like Patrick Ewing, complicated, Mello, complicated, Dilakina, complicated, Randall, complicated, Obi, loved. Like with everything else going on, he's just loved. And I really like that for him. Yeah. I mean, Obi, like he was Brooklyn kid, loved playing here, played his ass off every minute. I mean, I, I cannot, I've never seen him dog it on either end. Did he have defensive shortcomings? Sure, but there was mm-hmm. never a moment where the effort was ever in question. Um, you know, he had great, you know, bonds with the team. And I think, I, for what it's worth, I think they're parting amicably. Uh, I think part of the reason they did send him to Indiana, and I don't know if they had better offers available, but Indiana's a pretty ideal location for him, and they valued him. And I, I wonder, I, I would imagine that played somewhat of a role in them trying to say that, yeah, let's not send him somewhere where he's going to be on the bench. Let's send him somewhere where he can get real minutes and, and carve out a role and, and get himself paid. Uh, one part of that is probably because his agent is Leon Rose's son. But um, but you can see, you know, the other element of that is that they signed his brother as an undrafted free agent. So clearly, I think the relationship is still good there. It's just, you know, it, it's business. And, you know, with with Randall, it's just it wasn't he wasn't going to get the kind of role he wanted. Um, and, you know, we can debate whether. The Knicks should have prioritized the more Randall, but to me, at this point, as much as I do have concerns with Randall, realistically, like that dude is just on another level, level talent-wise. Mm-hmm. Speaking of other dudes, um, Dante Divincenzo is a Nick. <coughs> it seems like there's a bit of a schism between people who think this must prefigure another move because essentially. Right now, if if nothing else major happens, you've just replaced Obi in the rotation with a guard. Um, and does that mean this is the front office's way of forcing Thibodeau to have to play a smaller kind of style? Um, or some people feel like no, it's not doesn't have to be the start of anything. He's just he's a good player. He's a basketball player. He's a well-rounded player. He's an excellent rebounder for a guard. Uh, he can play make a little. He can shoot a little. Um, he's Six five, like six four, six five. It could just be a, a standout move in and of itself, just to make your team a little bit better, a little more multi-dimensional across the board. Do you feel like right now on your death chart behind Randall, the next four is 
I don't know who. I mean, do you think there's something else that do you think there's another significant addition that is going to come like maybe a two for one kind of move or, or do you feel like they could stop here and this would work? This would make sense. Uh, I am of the opinion that I'd like to see more of, especially Hart, but ran, RJ too. RJ has shortcomings as a rebounder, which is a real concern. It showed up against the Heat, even when he played the three. So at the four, that would be a concern. Mm-hmm. I don't think they need to make a move if they wanted to go into like, – and it would force Tibbs to get creative. And, um, um, you know, you know, it's um, – well, put it as like – I've talked about this with the Schwinn. I think I've talked about this on this pod. I feel like Tibbs has been his best when the Knicks have had injuries. The injuries are what forced him to go to a nine-man rotation yes, this year. Exactly. Um, the injuries forced him to to play IQ at point guard. The injuries forced him to give Obi a bigger role. The, the injuries forced him to play Deuce McBride more than he would have liked, right? Mm-hmm. And 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 not only who he plays, but also how he, like when they're injured, they tend to run. You know, paradoxically enough, right? You think when you're shorthanded, you run less because your guys are going to get fatigued more and, you know, you, you don't have as much substitutions. They play faster. They pass the ball more. He's more willing to say that let's let's play more high-variant style. Mm-hmm. And I think forcing him into that has some benefits. They're forcing him to play. They're saying that you like size so much, we gave you your two rim protectors. You have two elite rim protectors in Mitchell Robinson and Isaiah Hartenstein. You're a pretty damn good third center. Um. And you have a wrecking ball in the paint and Julius Randle. Everybody else, though, yeah. <laughs> do what you want with these shooters and these small guys who play big. They, they have a lot of guys who play big. Yeah, That's where DiVincenzo fits, right? IQ is 6'3 and has always looked wiry. He's put on a lot of weight, but IQ can guard the one and two. And yep. he's weirdly a good rim protector. If you look at his like rim field goal percentage defense, it's like mm. really good. Nice. Um, Deuce plays like a fucking defensive end right mm-hmm. um you know uh brunson is, is brunson so he's a separate case grimes grimes is six four right there's no reason he should be playing as many minutes at the three as he does he plays much bigger than he is mm-hmm. so that's what they have and, that, and i think that that's that's part of their strategy is like everyone has talked about you know the knicks don't besides rj barrett the knicks don't have any wing who is like this the, the prototypical you know, Kawhi Leonard, Paul George type. Well, those are not types. Those are elite players. So I'm saying a six eight, seven foot wingspan freak. Yep. They don't have any of those guys. And those guys ruled the league today. But what they've done is, is that, yeah, those guys are hard to find. If a guy is actually – they tried to do that with Cam, and, you know, it didn't pan out because the guys who are available with those dimensions usually have some other flaws. What they've said is we can find guys who can play big and make up for that. It's a, It's a – there's a lot of ethical things people have with Moneyball, but the idea of saying that where can we get the same thing that people don't think we can get it at, um, it, where it's you know more available, they've done that. So at the four, I if they played like they're going to play Randall 35 minutes. Can you play Josh Hart 13 minutes at the four? They would open up minutes for some of these guards. By the way, um, I, I I think that's feasible. If they want another option, because there might be like if they play Memphis and they're throwing out Stephen Adams and Jaron Jackson Jr., that might be a little bit difficult. Yeah. Um, there are guys available. Um, one guy I like a lot is Trenton Watford. Um, I'm not sure if you're familiar with him or a little bit. Yeah, so he's um, he killed the Knicks in summer league, uh, yeah. but he's he's played. It was actually pretty surprising to see Portland wave him. Uh, he's played the four and the five. Um, 
doesn't take a lot of threes, but he can step out and hit one. Uh, he's a really good passer with low turnovers, which is rare for a big, right? He's got a two to one assist to turnover ratio, which oh, wow. for a big is, is actually quite good. Yeah. Um, and um, he can handle the ball. He can switch. Um, you know, he's, he's not a shot blocker, rim protector, but uh, that's the kind of guy. And I, I do think that if you're going to keep Randall and if he's going to, and he's, if you're going to keep Randall as a core part of your team, that's just the way it is. Um, I do think like at some point, cause you heart is very functional as a backup four, but if you can get a backup four and again, it's going to infringe on Hartenstein's minutes and Mitch's minutes. You have to figure that out. But if you have a backup four that at least for like a few minutes a game allows you to play Randall at the five, that unlocks both him and Brunson because that's like Randall has been really good at the four. I'm not saying he needs to play the five, but if he can play the five, if he can play as a role man, that's a, that's that's a big deal. If there's somebody you can, that's that's why a lot of people wanted Porzingis. That's why you know. That's why those guys are pretty tough to find. That's why if they could get Brooke Lopez, that would have been really cool. But obviously, you, know, <laughs> you can try to get Brooke Lopez to come here and say, "Hey, you can play next to this guy who plays like a, a five on offense, and you can just space the floor and protect the rim. You're like a perfect fit next to Randall." He's like, "Great," but I also play next to this other power forward who's pretty good right now and they're paying me so um you know but if i think that that would be a worthwhile goal and maybe watford's a guy who can do that he's not a floor spacer per se but he can step out and hit a three uh and he can switch on defense and you won't get rim protection with him and that is something tibbs wants next to randall but if you can play that like having that kind of a especially in a series against team like miami where their center is six nine can you counter the fact they're parking him in the paint and that's causing problems with something with one of those things that's the next level for the knicks is some of these aces up the hole and will tibbs use those aces is another question about tibbs we don't need to get into that um but trenton watford is a guy that to me seems like that and the other part of going five out is um you already have a point guard who can score basically at will the only way to stop him is basically to get five guys at the rim contesting him and even then he can kick out. But if, if you had Jalen Brunson on a five-out offense, he's he's getting 40 a night. Like, I mean, what do you, how do you stop? Like, nobody can guard him one-on-one, you know? And if you help in a five-out offense, he's finding the shooter. Like, he's not an amazing passer. But in that situation, he's going to find shooters. You have nothing you can do. It would be nice to get a guy like that. But the, so the, the TLDR is... I'm fine rolling to the season with using Josh Hart and RJ Barrett for 13 minutes a night at the four. Uh, if they got another developmental guy, you could play sometimes and not uh, at the four and maybe sometimes the five. That would be pretty cool. And, and I, I see Trenton Watford as a guy they can get for cheap who can do that. So Golden State, when they figured out how good they were with Draymond at the five, they still have always made it a point of having – somebody who can be the five during the season. So he's not getting that wear and tear. You can save him to the playoffs and then unleash it. And like, there you go. I have a little concern about how much I want Hart playing the four during the season, because I feel like in the playoffs, like that's going to be maybe part of the a lineup that I want. But so there's a name, let's say they can't get Watford. There's a name that I saw an article speculating a couple of weeks ago. And I thought it was like just an absolute absurd fucking premise and I still don't know if it makes any sense, but I'm curious if this type of player now makes more sense on the roster than before. 
given that you need somebody who can who can play at that position, uh, maybe someone who keeps the five out thing going, someone who they can afford with. I think it's the is it the biannual exception that they'll have access to now? Yeah, so the, the, the biennial exception would take them into the luxury cap, or sorry, the luxury oh, okay. tax, but they have access to it. And then if they got rid of Fournier, sorry, if they traded Fournier, um, they would have access to it. It could still be under the cap. Or so, still be under the uh, luxury tax. But they are hard. they're hard capped at 172. And I think I was talking with Schwinn earlier today. They have, mm-hmm. from that hard cap, they have about 10 or $11 million of space. Okay. Thomas Bryant is not a player that like gets my blood going. He can shoot, like he can shoot, um, and he's a he has legit size. Um, had some nice moments for the Lakers. Whether Thomas Bryant specifically, I don't know if, if that really matters. But do you think there's there's particular value in the Knicks? I feel like they need to add a big who can do a few things. Like yeah. I think the Knicks need a they need. You know what I mean? Yeah, well, I think that's what I was kind of getting at before is that, and I think if, when you say they need a big that can do things, well, maybe maybe this isn't how you meant it, but to me, that's not a knock. I think we have two great centers, by the way. I think we have two centers that can start on most teams in the league. Yes. but I think they have one that can do things on offense as well, um, mm-hmm. just not really shoot, but I think Hartenstein can do things. Mm-hmm. But I think mm-hmm. that what I was getting at as well before is that like, like when you look at that heat series, at least if I look at why I think they wouldn't beat, let's leave it. Denver's a, a juggernaut. Like mm-hmm. seriously, if, if, if that is, if they mean like losing Bruce Brown is big, but if they can maintain what they have, that's a scary team. Mm-hmm. A generational player, a really good guard. Um, I think Michael Porter Jr. is going to get better. I think Aaron Gordon is the perfect, like kind of, you know, third guy on that team. Um, but you know, if you look at the reason, like the gap between, if you look at the gap between the Knicks and top teams, a lot of people would say, well, top teams have a true superstar. Some others might say that the Knicks number two guy, even if you believe in Brunson, the Knicks number two guy, Randall, I know you've been more of a defender of his, but has been at best inconsistent in the playoffs, right? You can talk about, to me, if I look at that heat series, it's just like, like I said, they don't have that ace in the hole, like a different look you can throw. And um, and sometimes that might be overblown, right? Like I am a, a full believer. I, I am still a. This is my conspiracy theory that if they had gone to Chris Copeland at the five against Roy Hibbert, that was the magic, the silver bullet. Right? Um, it probably wasn't. Chris <laughs> but, Copeland is 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 the twenty first century Nick fans Orlando Blackman. Like he's the guy <laughs> that you can't. If he had just played, it really might have been different, and it might have been. It really well, when he been. played again that series, he looked good. And uh-huh. I'll tell you what, there's a guy, there's a guy right now uh, who just retired, um, who might get his retired, his jersey retired at Madison Square Garden. Who said, "Man, if I just didn't have Roy Hibbert hanging out the rim that series, we would have won that." So, mm-hmm. um, you know, but that aside, I think you like that's what Miami seems to have in spades. They can. They can double you. They can press you. They can throw Gabe Vincent at Brunson, or they can throw Jimmy at Brunson. They can bring in Kevin Love for a little bit. They can bring in Haywood Highsmith for a bit. They have so many different things they can do. And that's what I think – that was the real gap for the Knicks is, like, they just played a certain way, and when that didn't work, they didn't have these aces up the hole. One of those aces up the hole would be a big – even if he plays eight to ten minutes in a game, um, you know, 
can just can spread the get, give Randall pull Bam out, you know, or if yep. it's not Bam, you know, Brooke Lopez or whoever it is, mm-hmm. um, you know, or or, um, or or Jared Allen, right? Whoever it is, pull him out, and then now what? Now we're gonna do with Jalen Brunson and Julius Randall, and if it, it, if like games tilt on those five, six, seven minute shifts, mm-hmm. and so I and I think that is as big a a, a consideration as as anything else so i would i would be a fan of thomas bryant we haven't talked about um how do you feel about divincenzo just in vacuum of everything else we talked about quickly and all those things and and you know everything else how do you like what are your feelings on he's the the big acquisition this summer last year is jalen brunson I, i don't know if he'll have as much of a the last three big acquisitions the Knicks have made, it's worth noting, are Jalen Brunson, Dante DiVincenzo, and Josh Hart, who, for those who don't know, played together at Villanova. Um, Josh Hart, they all three won one championship together. Um, Dante DiVincenzo and Jalen Brunson won a championship uh, on the same team. Um, that The last game that Jalen Brunson and Dante DiVincenzo played together, they played in the championship and Jalen Brunson and Michael Bridges were considered the two best players on the team. Dante DiVincenzo was less known, came off the bench, dropped 31 on a guy named Jordan Poole and uh, the Michigan Wolverines. So I can tell you, I didn't enjoy that game very much. Uh, certainly not as much as I would enjoy watching Dante DiVincenzo drop 31 at the Garden going forward. That was the last game they played and they won a championship together. Um, you know, I don't know how much the, the Villanova aspect plays into it for you. The guy's a winner. He's played. He's played. He's won a championship with. Uh, he, he was injured during the championship of the Bucks, but he's played with two of the, the the teams that are really in the upper echelon here. Obviously, Villanova is a very storied program, and he was a big part of that. Um, you know, seems to fit the Tibbs mold. He's a shot thirty nine percent from three in that Heat series. That's certainly something the Knicks could have used. Um, what are your like? What's your gut reaction on the on this signing? I'm happy about it. I've always liked Divincenzo. I didn't. I don't follow college that closely, so I knew him more from Milwaukee. Um, and I I liked watching him play in Milwaukee. I always felt like that's a player, like that's just a basketball player knows what he's doing. I was excited when Golden State got him because I thought he would be a nice piece for them. The only like I do wonder about, for whatever it's worth, the only year he shot as well as he has from deep as a pro. He was in Golden State, you know. There's no way to know. We'll see what happens. So, but I would say going from Villanova to Milwaukee to Golden State, he has been an important player on three winning teams, like three highly successful systems that know what they're doing. So to me, I feel like he's multidimensional. I think that's really important. Um He's 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 not a guy that you bring in and okay, you're you're sacrificing this to gain this. Like he can do some of a lot of different things. I think the Knicks like I think Miami has a lot of players like that. Miami, outside of maybe Duncan Robinson, um, I don't feel like they have too many players who you can just box into a very narrow role. Like Bam Adebayo does a lot of things on two different sides. Struce is the other guy, but even Struce was like a decent defender. We'll see. Yeah, but he's not he's not a total one. He's not Steve Novak. Yeah. Like Duncan Robinson is close to Steve Novak. None of these guys are. Divincenzo is not that kind of guy. So now Divincenzo you have. Divincenzo actually a plus defender. He's 
DiVincenzo on the Heat, the closest analog would be, I think, Gabe Vincent, but I think he's a better shooter. So. Which I love the Knicks having that. Like, watching Vincent was hard in the playoffs because for some reason, I just assume he's a dick and I really don't like watching him. <laughs> but as a player, Matt Barnes was like this. I couldn't, Matt Barnes was a Nick very early in his career. Well, I think he actually is a dick. I don't, I think Gabe Vincent might no, be. He is. He is. <laughs> but watch, but when you would watch him play, you would be like, I don't, I don't want him as a person, but. I wish they had that kind of player on the team, and I feel like Gabe Vincent's that kind of player. Um, DiVincenzo was that, but likable. Um, so I'll, I'll take that. I feel good about DiVincenzo. I feel good about it for the Knicks. Um, I feel good about it in the sense that it's part of a trend. Like you can you can say you know, Brunson, Hart, and DiVincenzo are linked by where they went to school together, but they're also linked by the fact, I think, that they are three players – to varying degrees of magnitude, who when they leave the floor, leave the floor, they have contributed more than what you assume the sum of their parts would be. In Brunson's case, it's enormous. Obviously, it's it's MVP level. But Josh Hart was always, even before the Knicks got him, the thing that stood out to me about Josh Hart in the NBA because I didn't really follow him in college was he was one of these guys in New Orleans. He would have like eight points, six rebounds, four assists. You knew he could defend. Um, he was that kind of, he just was that kind of a player who like what the game is lacking, he will fill in. And I feel like DiVincenzo is a, is a bit of that kind of player also. Like he will recognize just instinctively as he plays, like, what does this team need? I think if you want to be really cold hearted about it also, it adds a not insignificant, but not prohibitive salary to the collection of, of salaries the Knicks now have on the books. Um, he is a player that I don't think a team if a team has to trade a star in the next year or two to the Knicks, getting back to DiVincenzo like with a couple years left on a deal is not something that is going to make you grind your teeth. Like he's a good player. Um, I, so I it's, it's enough really, salary. It's enough salary to yeah. add to, to, to eat up salary in a trade, but it's yeah. not a bad. Con- it, I mean, we'll see. Like maybe he just becomes unplayable, but it seems like the guy can knock down threes and guard two positions. Mm-hmm. Pass the ball like there's not gonna be a team that's gonna be like oh no we don't want to take Dante DiVincenzo on like and he's 26 so it doesn't the day, seem the like day that Anthony old. Edwards says he wants out of Minnesota that's your guy now <laughs> quickly is making 20 whatever and DiVincenzo is making 12 that's a start uh, I c- color me weird I just have a feeling it's not gonna work out with Anthony Edwards in Minnesota I just have a feeling that that story is closer to done than than maybe the Timberwolves would like to know. Um, yeah, it's been. I mean, they they made it. Well, they made a bet on Rudy. Like under the day, a lot of people said it was a bad idea, and you, they they are vindicated. But I, you know, you had to make. Sometimes you got to make bold moves, and you know, if it worked out, it worked out. But yeah, I, do, it's a tough situation right now. You do, but let me say this because this came up a bit earlier when you were talking about Leon Rose. Like, there's. To me, there's something inherently different in the nature of the gamble that is made by a president of a of a front office who's been specifically tasked with, we haven't really had much success here for most of the last 20 years. Please make it happen. Like you were saying earlier, like you have to take chances to make, like to break that inertia, you have to take chances. And there's a there's a scale to which a president has the ability to do that. <clears throat> When I look at Ishiba and Phoenix, and it's um I can't remember the main guy's name. It's somebody in A Rod, 
in Minnesota um, who are taking over from Aaron. Glenn. What's his name? No, you said A Rod. Oh, I, all I know is that because A Rod's always Mets sitting next fan to bringing up A Rod. <laughs> he was never a Met. I'm very happy to bring him up. Um, but Minnesota took over with new ownership. They they were actually on a nice track. If you remember, not this season, but two seasons ago, they finished on a really nice run the last couple of months. They had a very nice collection of young players who were kind of clicking together. And then the new owners came in and they wanted to like make that big splash. So they made a huge move on Gobert. Ashiba takes over in Phoenix. Ashiba from the start, somehow a person who considers Isaiah Thomas a, a smart basketball advisor is in a position to purchase a team and he purchases it. And all he's done since he's taken over is like swing for the fence, swing for the his, fence. His moves have been reasonable swing. though, I feel like. I mean, you can argue the Durant move, but they've gotten some good guys, it feels like, in this offseason. I, I don't know if they're done yet. And they're obviously trying something that it could work. And if it does work, props to them. And if I it saw... doesn't work, then maybe Anthony Edwards isn't the guy. That uh, there's a guy in Phoenix, I believe, who has a good relationship with Leon Rose and his CAA. So, yeah, him too. But when I looked at Phoenix's, I looked at a list of just who they have, who they have right now besides Durant, Booker, Beal, and Aiton. And obviously, they can swing it at any point. Hopefully, Eric Gordon, I think, is a good signing for the men. That I, I like that a lot. Did they get him? I didn't yeah. know they had signed him. Oh, that sucks. Okay, um, that is good for them. I just like. I don't know, man. I feel like, to me, there's something very venture capitalist about owners to take over a team, and the very first thing that they do is like the enormous swing for like the Gobert trade was such an enormous. Yeah. Like Casey at the bat, like and Ishiba's not quite the same thing. Like you could certainly argue that the Suns are not any less likely to win a title now than they were when they had Mikhail and Cam Johnson and whoever else. But I just I liked I like where Leon Rose is. I feel like he takes swings because he needs to. He risks L's because that's what happens. Like if we remember, there was a long stretch I felt like where Scott Perry. I was cool with Scott Perry just because he didn't do anything flagrantly stupid. And after Phil Jackson and Mills, I needed someone who just wasn't taking big L's. Yeah, it's like when you date toxic people. Yeah, it's like, all right, you know, she's not she or he not, is not going to do everything I want in bed, or but like, you know, they're they're going to be kind to me and you know do the laundry and and be nice and you know not um, not leave me wondering where they are at two a.m. and all that. So. <laughs> Yes, exactly. Leon does not leave me wondering where he is at 2 a.m. For that, I am very grateful. Um, let me close with one question that is unfair to ask you to answer in two minutes, but I'm going to do it. Um, take what I mean, two minutes, five minutes. I'm just very curious about this. I saw someone the other day posting this very like heartfelt, you know, they expect the Knicks, based off of last season, there's no reason to think that the Knicks cannot be a contender in the East next season. And I don't feel this way at all. I feel like the Knicks beat a four seed with virtually no playoff experience. They beat my, they 
played Miami tough. They didn't threaten to beat Miami. They played them tough. They didn't meet Milwaukee. They didn't meet Boston. They didn't meet Philadelphia. I'm not sure they would have beaten any of those teams. Now, maybe now Philly's in a little bit of mayhem. We'll see what happens with Harden. Boston has obviously changed the topography of what they're throwing out there. And Milwaukee, new coach. Um, they've had some health issues late in seasons recently, so who knows with them too. Do you feel right now, assuming the Knicks make no major trades, and assuming whatever happens with Lillard, I don't care where he ends up, Miami or not, um, do Miami you feel... Did. That would be a big deal to me. <laughs> it's a big deal, but like it, whether Miami is or is not a contender... Miami... I mean, if the team that we lost to gets, you know... When healthy, the second best point guard in the league, yeah, it would be a big deal. <laughs> if Miami gets, if Miami does not get Lillard, where do you rank the Knicks right now in the East? I don't think there's a clear number one. That's my takeaway. Right? You don't now. think the Bucks are if they're healthy? No, I mean, I I think that um, what Giannis wasn't healthy, right. but they lost two games with him. Um. Even before the playoffs, I didn't want. They were the team I didn't want the Knicks to face. Right, it's right, right. Tough in the regular season. Um, their best player is an elite defender who matches up with a guy the Knicks rely on heavily. That would be a problem in the playoffs more than it has been in the regular season. But this is I'm. This is not. I feel better. I'll put it like this: Even when the Knicks were the two seed, I didn't really believe they could beat the Heat. I thought they should have beaten the Pacers. I do not believe they could beat LeBron's Heat. Mm-hmm. I believe they can beat anyone in the East. If I had to rank them, uh, I would probably I would put Milwaukee number one. I'd put Boston number two. Um, and I, I don't, I don't know what's going to happen in Philly. They have Harden back, but they they are they are just a, a head case in the playoffs. We haven't matched up with them in the playoffs. And like the thing is, Harden kills the Knicks in that team. Um, just because they lost George Niang, who has killed the Knicks as well, but they just always when you have shooters around Harden and the way the Knicks play, it just never works out well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But they're not head and shoulders that much <coughs> better than the Knicks. Um, I will say this: I like what Cleveland did. I like them getting Niang and um, Struess. They lot. got a guy who killed the Knicks. They said the Knicks said. You want to have Donovan Mitchell and Darius Garland go in the paint? We're going to send five guys on them. Make nope. Karis LeVert hit threes. Make Isaac Coro hit threes. And they were like, well, when, we, when Miami did that, when they did that against Jimmy Butler, Miami figured mm-hmm. it out. Maybe we should get one of those guys. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, Philly mm-hmm. seems to figure it out. So they did that. That is scary to me. And that's without even considering the fact that Evan Mobley could take a leap. Um, but are the Knicks a contender? Absolutely. There's just a lot of contenders in the East. And that, that speaks as much to the fact that – the East doesn't have a true like juggernaut as to the fact that like, yeah, I'm going to keep saying this. We cannot just discount what this dude has done for multiple playoffs in a row. He did it with Luka Luka Doncic hurt. The Knicks have not a superstar, but the next tier of player, they have that on their team. They have another guy who has the talent to be that guy. We'll see what happens with Randall. And to the extent that you want to say that, well, Giannis is this much better. And if you want to say that the Knicks are capped, yeah, then it is a time to have a conversation about Randall because that would be the only thing holding them back in my eyes. As far as talent goes, they, they're they loaded. They have two really good rim protectors. 
They have a guy who can score against anybody and create. Um, you have a, a wing and now going into his fifth year who showed he can produce in the playoffs. Uh, Julius Randle's an all-NBA player. We'll see like if he gets a healthy playoffs, it'll be interesting. But it looks like he's very capable of being like – they have talent at every position. They have shooting now. They have Dante DiVincenzo. They have Quentin Grimes. We have quickly they have guys who are now a year older. Um, you know they added the ultimate glue guy. They have all of the pieces, and you could say, well, they don't have that LeBron type. And Milwaukee does, Boston does, um, Philly does, but he's you know he has injury issues. But you know, as far as a team, they're there. You know, like would I want them to like if they had the ability to swing a trade for a guy like Paul George? But that made me. Think they're favorites? Yeah, the Knicks aren't favorites. Are they contenders? Absolutely. And um, nothing about I, I would that Heat series was extremely frustrating. But the Heat, the Heat went to the finals and lost to the best player in the world. But they were competitive, and and they beat Boston. And the Knicks, the Knicks were right there with them. And I think the Knicks should have won that series. And I think to the extent that they lost it, it wasn't because they're really short on talent. Uh, they were losing. First of all, missing quickly is was a big deal. I think people probably just brush over that because he wasn't great on offense against Cleveland, but he was a big-time defender. Uh, the Knicks were eight points better in the playoffs with quickly on than off, and these are the games they played. So, you know, they lost those things, and they're still right there with Miami. I think they're definitely a contender. Are they a favorite? No. Would I say they are had the best odds? No. But they're there. They're in that conversation. All right. Two last questions. If Miami trades for Lillard... And it's basically what we've seen, which is hero and whatever. Nothing of major consequence beyond that for as far as their team next year. Does that make them to you number one in the East? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I mean, okay. Lillard and Jimmy Butler and Bam is just ridiculous. Uh, I do if, think there would be defensive things, but you, you, if there's a guy who can figure that out on defense, it's Eric Spolstra. So, yeah. If the Heat trade for Lillard, do you think between Boston, Milwaukee, and Miami, the Knicks could beat two of those teams in the playoffs? Could, yes. Yes. Yeah. Would, no. I, I mean, I would probably give them less than a fifty percent chance in each series, but I wouldn't give Who them ten percent. So it would be for you, Miami, Milwaukee, Boston. I'm gonna put us ahead of Cleveland right now, but I, I would say we're tied with them. Yeah, like, yeah, Cleveland, yeah. like I do think Strus and Niang are good additions, and I think Mobley, at some point, is gonna take a leap. Maybe it'll be next year. Maybe it'll be the year after. But if it's next year, then. There's um, you know, there we're tied with Cleveland. I think. You don't think the Cavs will struggle when, when like thirty games in this season, <laughs> Mitchell announces that he wants to be traded to the. Oh, I'm sorry. We'll save that for next. We'll save that. Well, for I think. Next I think even if they win sixty games, <laughs> and if they play him out in the second round, he's still gonna be looking out. If they win this, I mean, Kawhi went to Toronto and he won a championship, and he still was like, "Sorry, mm-hmm. I don't like winter." Which I can't believe him <laughs> for. So, uh, no offense, Rochester. I know. I know. <laughs> But, they have um, very, I, they have I, very comfortable summers. <laughs> I hope you don't blame, you don't hold it against Kawhi for wanting to go home and and take uh, Venice Beach over. Yo, Toronto is a very cool city, but I don't it blame is, anyone. I don't blame anyone for wanting to go home, especially if home is Los Angeles. Um, all right, that is it for this episode of the Believe Next podcast. Um, maybe there'll be more shit to talk about soon. Oh, sorry, I there's the one other thing I should say. Oh, sure. yeah, go ahead. If if um, Lillard does go to Miami, that would be a massive failure on Portland's part. He has requested Miami, and under no circumstances should they care about that at all. 
Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> this is not a free agent destination, so it's not like you're but no free agents are going to come to Portland. They're not coming to Portland anyway. Um, and uh, like there are just way more teams with more draft picks to offer than Miami. Like you uh, accepting Tyler Hero and a poo platter is just a massive failure. So I, I don't think he will go to Miami. And I, I think if he does, then that's a failure on the Portland's front office's part. Possible that I'm that my rooting interest is influencing my thinking. But I had assumed at a certain point, I think I had assumed as of about 48 hours ago that like he was going to go to Miami and that was it. And when Portland basically, and I, and I thought. He's under contract for four more years, by the way. So, and then you know, at the end of four years, it's like, oh, I'm not going to resign with you. Yeah, you're going to be 38. Bye. You know, like that's not where we're trading for you. So in like, I think it was, it was very late night, maybe 1998. There was a year that the Truman Show came out. It was this is Jim Carrey movie yeah. where he's like, he doesn't realize he's he's in a TV show. He thinks it's reality. And I remember coming home from seeing it with my girlfriend at the time. And her mom was like, oh, what you think of the... We had seen something else and the Truman Show. And she was like, oh, what did you think of the movies? And we told her the first one. And I, was, and I was like, oh, my God, the Truman Show was like, she's so brilliant. It was so brilliant. And everyone I had heard from was like, it's so brilliant. It's so brilliant. And I remember her mom was like, that movie sucked. And I was like, what? And she immediately began to like break it down. And I was like, oh my God, like I think she's right. Like I just never thought of it this way. Like no one has ever showed it to me this way, but like I, I think she's right. I had thought for a while, like they should send him to where he wants to go. Like he's been a good, you know. And then someone wrote an article and I was like, oh my God, they're right. <laughs> like they paid him a lot of money. He's had amazing moments for them. He's had amazing flameouts also um they tried to build around him for a longer time than almost any modern nba franchise would continue to commit to trying to build around like someone as long as they have so my heart does not i want him to go not to miami but now i'm like you know what damn straight you don't have to trade into the heat you know owe him no favors Get the best deal you can. Yeah. I mean, if, if you're trading with the heat, then I would say, all right, bam, I hope you like hipsters and IPAs. <laughs> That's otherwise bye. Like, damn, sorry. You know, mm-hmm. you you like South Beach, maybe try being Mormon, you know? So mm-hmm. uh, something mm-hmm. like that. So So we'll see if there's news on Lillard by the next time we meet. Maybe the Knicks will have done something. There is that faction of the fan base, the Linus Van Pelts, if you will, who are holding out for that it's all a sign of something bigger and since Steven Chenzo and made this bit I don't know. I feel good about where they are, but we'll see. Um I'm sure we'll do an episode is the that. fourth piece from that team, right? So. Yep. He's just gotta extricate himself from the world's greatest practice facility and all will be well. And he's just gotta cross the bridge. So you know, mm-hmm. not that hard. Ironic. Um <laughs> So we'll that's all that for, when he gets to it, so. for this episode, everybody. Thank you very much. Um, glad to have Stacy back. Glad to have you all back. Glad to have Dante back. And Obi, we loved you. Hope it works out in Indiana. Peace. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.